Good morning to Sri Sri Radha Kalachanji Dam. Good morning to all of the assembled devotees. Always those that we cannot see with our material eyes and those that we can see. Um, this morning we're going to do things a little bit differently. It is the actual appearance day of His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami Maharaj Kijai, and I was actually going to do it on the TT day, but it was I was so inclined to do it this date. So we'll um, read from one of his books, and anyone has any comments they want to make on the scriptures that are here, please feel free to do so, and we will do the Srimad Bhagavatam verse, uh, no doubt, tomorrow. So I wanted to read a uh, passage from the Bhagavad Gita. Just something that I was inclined to do. It came to me while I was putting everything together based on how do we see it, time, place, and circumstance. That's the flexibility Srila Prabhupada gave us, and that's the one that I honor wholeheartedly. Uh, let's see, before I read this, why don't we just do what we ordinarily do? Um, Sing Jaya Radha Madhava. That's just a part of the morning class. So let me get the cartels. Incidentally, by the way, today is February 25th, 2020. Absolutely, Mata. Absolutely. Jayaratamadhava Kunjabihari Jayaratamadhava Kunjabihari Kunjabihari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Jaya Gopi Janavalaba Kirivaradari Yal Shodanandanan Bajachadarandanan Yashodanandana Braja Chadaranjanan Yamuna Tira Ranachari Yamuna Tira Ranachari Jaya Raja Madhava Kunjabihari 
Yashuranandana Brajajaranjanan Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Kaya Radha Kalachanji, Radha Kalachanji Radhe. Jai Radha Kalachanji, Radha Kalachanji Radhe. Jai Jai Jagannath, 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 Jai Jai Jagannath. Jai Jai Paladev, 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 Jai Jai Baladev. Jai Jai Subhadra, Subhadra. Subhadra, Jaya Jaya Subhadra. Jaya Jaya Gornitai, 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 Jaya Jaya Gornitai. Nitai Goro Haribo, 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 Nitai Goro Haribo, 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 Nitai Goro Haribo. Jai Shila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Jai Shishi Radhakala Janji Dam Ki Jai. So before reading from one of uh, Bhakti Tirta Swami's uh, 
looks on uh, the scriptures. There was a very interesting verse in the Bhagavad Gita that just caught my attention. So I decided to add it to this morning's speech, lecture, class. And it is in the 13th chapter, Bhagavad Gita, 13th chapter. Mm, Let's see which text. Oh, there were a couple of interesting ones here. So let's see which attracted the attention. Hmm. Now this is all under chapter 13, texts 8 through 12. And I'm breaking down a portion of it because it is lengthy. But we'll do the shloka, we'll do the, uh, the Sanskrit. Amanitvam adabidvam ahimsa kashantir ajavam acharya pasanam sucham stariyamatma vinagraha indriyate shuvarajyam anahankara evacha janmamritya jaravyadi Dukha doshana dushanam ashaktiyana bisvanga putradara griha dishu nityam chasama jitadvam istanishto papatishu maichanya chanaya yojana bhaktiravya bicharani vivikta desha sevitvam arita jana samsadi aryatma ginyana nityadvam tadvajanata Dashana metaj ganyanam ita proktam ato niyata. And there's so much in this particular, in these particular slokas, 8 through 12. Steadiness was one, and I picked happiness and distress also. But let's just go with steadiness. This is at, um, I guess it's one of the old. Bhagavad Gita as it is. It's on page uh, 506. Steadiness means that one should be very determined to make progress in spiritual life. Without such determination, one cannot make tangible progress. And self-control means that one should not accept anything which is detrimental to the path of spiritual progress. One should become accustomed to this and reject anything which is against the path of spiritual progress. This is real renunciation. The senses are so strong that they are always anxious to have sense gratification. One should not cater to these demands which are not necessary. The senses should only be gratified to keep the body fit so that one can discharge his duty in advancing in spiritual life. The most important and uncontrollable sense is the tongue. If one can control the tongue, then there is every possibility of controlling the other senses. The function of the tongue is to taste and to vibrate. 
Therefore, by systematic regulation, the tongue should always be engaged in tasting the remnants of foodstuffs offered to Krishna and chanting Hare Krishna. As far as the eyes are concerned, they should they should not be allowed to see anything but the beautiful form of Krishna. That will control the eyes. Similarly, the ears should be engaged in hearing about Krishna and the nose in smelling the flowers offered to Krishna. This is the process of devotional service. And it is understood here that Bhagavad Gita is simply expounding the science of devotional service. Devotional service is the main and sole objective. Unintelligent commentators on the Bhagavad Gita try to divert the mind of the reader to other subjects, but there is no other subject in Bhagavad Gita than devotional service. False ego means accepting this body as oneself. When one understands that he is not his body and is spirit soul, he comes to his real ego. Ego is there. False ego is condemned, but not real ego. In the Vedic text, Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad 1.4.10, it is said, Aham Brahmasmi. Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. I am spirit. This I am. The sense of self always exists in the liberated stage of self-realization. One more section on page 508. Happiness and distress are concomitant factors of material life. One should learn to tolerate as advised in Bhagavad Gita. One can never restrict the coming and going of happiness and distress. So one should be detached from the materialistic way of life and be automatically equipoised in both cases. Generally, when we get something, un when we get something desirable, we are very happy. And when we get something undesirable, we are stressed. But if we are actually in the spiritual position, these things will not agitate us. To reach that stage, we have to practice unbreakable devotional service. Devotional service to Krishna without deviation means engaging oneself in the nine processes of devotional service. Chanting hearing, worshiping, offering respect, etc. As described in the last verse of the ninth chapter, that process should be followed. If this does not vibrate with you in your senses, Put it on the shelf and revisit it later. But it was very relevant um, to me in the reading of any scripture, any material that is 
associated with the Vedic scriptures. And His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami's books, as well as other sannyasis' books, are always related and explaining even further the scriptures. So I'm going to read from Spiritual Warrior 4, and the subject of Spiritual Warrior 4 is conquering the enemies of the mind. And even before going into conquering the enemies of the mind, that's a topic in itself. If our minds are not spiritually, devotionally attached, and in the mood of submission to Lord Krishna's message, to the understanding of Krishna, to the understanding of our relationship to him, why we are here, why we may be having such a challenging time, if our minds are not in the right place, we're going to have a really difficult time in Kali Yuga. What to say Kali Yuga? Even if the minds are somewhat situated in the proper place, there are going to be challenges. So there were a couple of topics that spoke to me, but I thought we would approach it with a little love. So as usual, I like that technique of opening the book and putting your finger on any particular page. I, I do that often when I'm just going to speak of a subject. And I go to it. <laughs> now this is interesting. I don't know if Krishna wants us to do this, but I did say, hmm, I did say that wherever those fingers go, it is actually where and what we should be reading. This particular section is interesting. It's um, healthy grieving is this topic. Very interesting. And it speaks of, initially it starts with a scripture from the fifth canto. Fifth uh, canto, 11 chapter, 16 text of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Nadyavadi tanmana atmalingam samsara tapavapanam janasya yatshoka mahamayad yoga ragaloba ranubandam mamantam vithute. It says the soul's designation, the mind, is the cause of all tribulations in the material world. As long as this fact is unknown to the conditioned living entity, he has to accept the miserable condition of the material body and wander within this universe in different positions. Because the mind is affected by disease, lamentation, 
illusion, attachment, greed, enmity. It creates bondage and a false sense of intimacy within this spiritual, I'm sorry, within this material world. And it goes on to cover various aspects of grieving, which does appear to be interesting right now because when January came in, for most people, what I was hearing, that most people were losing family members. It was as if January was coming in and clearing out some special souls. And as we go through the year, at some point in time, we're going to be able to relate to someone who has lost a loved one. And of course, this is uncontrollable. There will be birth and there will be death. There will be old age and disease. These are things that we cannot get away from. But what I discovered is that even though we realize these things happen from day to day, very few of us know exactly how to deal with grieving. We don't really know what to say to the party who has maybe lost a loved one or someone that is in the process of losing a family member that's in transition. It was amazing because um, just briefly, Krishna relieved my sister of her material body within the last 30 days, and she transitioned. And it was amazing the effect that it had on me as opposed to the other members of the family because I've had the opportunity over the past decades to understand and try to understand to the best of my ability death, life. And what I discovered, discovered was it's amazing how small this world is. After talking to my sister, Hare Krishna, I discovered that she had actually met Srila Prabhupada. She had no idea. She was in Michigan, and she was telling me about this temple and this little guy that came from India, and he chanted, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. She met him before I did. In the last uh, couple of years of her life, she gravitated more toward Krishna consciousness. So there's a feeling of loss, but there's also a feeling of relief that she's on the right path. And it does help for us to be able to explain this to other people, other members, other family members when there's a loss. It's actually supposed to be a moment of glory because finally that individual is no longer part of this particular point in Kali Yuga, and they've gone on to hopefully a better destination or a different body in a better destination. But here are a couple of points on healthy grieving. And I'll read a little bit, but I'll focus more on 
the growth and the healing process. And just briefly, the section that Gurudev covered, and it's interesting, everything that we could possibly think of and do and believe or think about is in the scriptures. From beginning to middle to end to infinity, it's all in the scriptures. This section is on the causes of grief. And His Holiness Bhakti Tirtha Swami was very upfront with death and dying uh, in his final years. And I'm seeing more books coming out on the process of dying. But in order to live, the understanding is you have to die first. There's a, um, there are a couple of books on that. So I won't go into detail so much. But here is a section on the causes of grief. Due to the accessibility of information in recent years, people might have more reasons to grieve, especially as they hear about all the catastrophes and disasters occurring all over the world. And that's interesting because right now the biggest thing is the coronavirus. It, it's always something that comes along and it pulls your attention away from everything else that's going on in the world, and you begin to wonder, where are these viruses coming from? But it puts us in an anxiety and a panic mode. Each person and family can instantly bring all of these problems into their homes. And it's speaking of the catastrophes and disasters all over the world. Each person and family, again, can instantly bring all of these problems into their own homes, in a matter of seconds via the television, radio, computer, etc. The increasing illusions also intensify the grief. Since modernity and commercialization throw so much propaganda at people, they have trouble trying to deal with the hard realities when the illusions fall apart. When people cannot substantiate these illusions, they have trouble trying to cope. People also lament due to the shifting job market. There is so much insecurity in the job force, even among people who have degrees and a sense of loyalty to their profession. They will feel intense anxiety and sadness when their seemingly secure jobs suddenly disintegrate. Divorce and especially death obviously lead to grief. Another type of grief can manifest when one makes a strong commitment to follow a spiritual path. One may consciously or even unconsciously grieve about the loss of previous associations and connections. In one sense, any type of grief is an expression of death since it deals with loss, bewilderment, and disappointment. It could manifest as the physical death of a friend or as the death or loss of a job. Divorce or another type of fragmentation can lead to the death of a relationship. We may also have to accept the death of a particular idea that can no longer provide comfort or security.
People even grieve due to the loss of their youth and beauty. They lament as their intelligence slowly diminishes. And I have to laugh at that because I remember having one of those moments where you take your glasses and you slide it down your nose and then you read. And my niece, who really isn't that much uh, younger than I am, she thought it was hilarious. Well, years have passed now, so now she's beginning to slide the glasses down her nose. So you have to be really careful what you do and what you say because if you're fortunate, you're going to age. And all of the things that come with old age, some of them, uh, will affect us in some way or the other. Um, again, people even grieve to, due to the loss of their youth and beauty. They lament as their intelligence slowly diminishes. All of these changes bring about an amazing amount of sadness and depression. Of course, perpetual grief can crystallize into an intense mood of extreme or chronic depression. The scriptures also describe the unlimited causes of misery and lamentation. The purport of Srimad Bhagavatam, 3rd Canto, 28th chapter, 32nd text describes how the miseries of the material world lead to intense lamentation. The entire universe is full of miseries, and therefore the inhabitants of this material universe are always shedding tears out of intense grief. There is a great ocean of water made from such tears, but for one who surrenders unto the supreme personality of Godhead, the ocean of tears is at once dried up. One need only see the charming smile of the Supreme Lord. In other words, the bereavement of material existence immediately subsides when one sees the charming smile of the Lord. In spite of the miseries and disappointments that lead to fear and grief, if we can somehow take shelter of the wonderful love and beauty of the Lord, then the dualities of the material world will not influence us to the same extent. And that's a very interesting point to keep in mind on our day-to-day -day journey. Every single day is not guaranteed to be a day where we're laughing and tripping through the roses. There are going to be challenges in our lives, and we don't ask for them. They come anyway. But when we are in the mood of focusing on the most important subject in our lives, the holy name, the face of Lord Krishna, the mercy that he's given us, the blessings, when we go back and relive those moments and know that no matter what situation we're in, we'll have challenges, but they don't last. There's an old song where it says, trouble don't last always. Well, it really doesn't. It comes and it goes, and we have to be equipoised like warriors on a battlefield. 
anticipating and being prepared for the what-ifs because they're going to come. So when you're in the mood of keeping your mind and your tongue focused and your attention focused on the holy name, on Krishna, things will come and go. Anxieties, stresses to the mind and the body. But when you focus on the Lord and knowing how much he loves each and every one of us, whatever it is we're going through, it will pass. In spite of the miseries and disappointments again that lead to fear and grief, if we can somehow take shelter of the wonderful love and beauty of the Lord, then the dualities of the material world will not influence us to the same extent. In the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, Arjun falls into an overwhelming state of bewilderment that literally brings him to tears. The fratricidal war that he must fight is the source of his lamentation. While Krishna drives his chariot on the battlefield of Kurusetra, Arjun sees great devotees such as Grandfather Bhishmadev and Dronacharya, his worshipful elders and teachers. He must confront this tremendous challenge, which involves fighting his exalted superiors due to his duty as a kshatriya or warrior. Arjun does not see how any action will lead to a positive outcome. If he defeats his own family, his own family members, through war and destruction, he will not find any happiness. On the other hand, if he just leaves the war and begs for his livelihood, it will only result in infamy. He would rather relinquish the benefits of the heavenly kingdom and material wealth than live with the anxiety and loss that come from warfare. Therefore, Arjun says in Bhagavad Gita, second chapter, eight text, Nahai prapashmi prapasyami mamapanudyat yachchocham ucho sanan indriyanam avapyabhumav ashapatmavridam Rajam Suranamapi Charipatyam. I can find no means to drive away this grief, which is drying up my senses. I will not be able to dispel it, even if I win a prosperous, unrivaled kingdom on earth with sovereignty, like the demigods in heaven. Due to his overwhelming grief, Arjun searches for a way out. In his state of bewilderment, he cannot understand how a war against his own family members can be ethical or moral. The entire Bhagavad Gita begins with this dilemma. Arjun sees a no-win situation and he cannot decide how to act. Well, like Arjun, in realizing there are going to be some attachments that he's going to have to detach from, 
Every single day, there are things that we may have to change and adjust to and maybe step aside or away from in order to maintain some peace. It may involve people that we are greatly indebted to and have a great love for, but what is important is that when Arjun was making this decision, Krishna was a chariot driver, and Krishna was giving him directions, no matter what. We always have Krishna at our side. No matter what situation we come up against, if we can just be still for a moment and not let the mind get in the way, and I used to think one of the greatest expressions that I could think of And I wanted to put a tag out there for it is whenever you have a situation that seems unbearable, it's one of those situations where it's Krishna, why are you giving me this? Or Krishna, why is this happening? Or my day was going so well until da 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 da. What we have to realize is that In a situation like that, we take the higher road and we think to ourselves, what would Guru do? Or the same, similar, what would Krishna do? But I do, what would Guru do? So in a lot of circumstances, I find that when we have a really good relationship with our Guru Even if the guru is no longer on the planet, he is still with us. He is still with us spiritually. And whatever need or assistance we require, he will give it. So that means that in a lot of situations where we may be grieving something, we may be grieving a loved one or a situation happening, before we act out of control, And before we lose our senses, think, a guru is in the house. What would guru do? How would he handle this situation? And I think that nine times out of ten, we would do the right thing. So that includes any situation. Just think, we're all on this battlefield of Kurusetra. And we have situations that we are not going to be pleased with. We don't want to complete the process, whatever it is that we need to do. It is not something that we ordered up, but it's something that needs to be done for our growth. Remember that Guru and Krishna are with you. But most of all, remember, not minimizing Guru, but remember Arjun on the chariot. And having Krishna beside you. That is the mood that we should be in. Whether we're inside the temple or inside our temple at home. Or wherever it is we are. We should have the temple in our hearts. Work. Going shopping. Um, Even when I'm going shopping, I see different situations. And the first thing that comes across the mind, unfortunately, is, gosh, how do you deal with this situation when you have... Uh, an absolute rascal in front of you or let's say you're driving and someone cuts in front of you 
Of course, we know the things that we want to say, but we also know the things we shouldn't say. Think. Take the high road. Think something positive. Oh, maybe this person is in a, a rush. There's an emergency, has to get to the sitters, whatever it is. Don't take the lower road because it begins to change the rest of our day. Think to yourselves. You're on the battlefield, etc. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be relationships that have to be formed and there are going to be relationships that have to be diminished. Think of Krishna in the process standing beside you. And if you have any doubts, ask him, Krishna, what should I do? You know, we really should be in the mood of knowing that Krishna is with us 24-7 and we can have all the conversations we want with him. I have conversations with Gurudev, with Bhaktivedanta Swami. He's been more available to me since he's left his body. As a matter of fact, I see him more. <laughs> and I used to think that we were shortchanged when I was in Michigan because he was so busy. He was so busy. He was always all over the world and we had to make the best of the time that we had with him. And now I realize that was to my benefit because you have to have strength from a distance. You will not always have guru there and available for you. We have to be able to stand on our own. And I think how wonderful it was for His Holiness Tamal Krishna Goswami to have such association with Srila Prabhupada. I was watching the, the video yesterday and it was wonderful. His mood, he's he was always smiling, but he was always in the mood of Srila Prabhupada's disciple. And he carried that forward after Srila Prabhupada left his body. And I sit now in a temple that he spent a lot of time putting together, forming what to say of the other in Houston. And I think how nice it was that he and my guru knew each other because had that relationship not formed, I probably wouldn't be here and have such a steady peace of mind and being here and being okay with it. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes long-term is when we see it. In short-term, it doesn't make sense. But eventually, everything plays out, and it makes a lot of sense. But I'm going to read the last section, and then I'll end at that point. And it's in dealing with how to handle how to handle grief let's see how much uh, it's kind of sort of long so let's see what we can do it says focusing on growth and healing when we lose someone very dear to us we can actually honor them best by moving through the healthy grieving process since it will help us reflect on their meaning in our lives and personally, because we're family, I can share. And usually that's my upside when I'm here. I'm sharing things with you that are happening in my life. I think it's good. It's, I, I like being for real. And when my sister passed away, it was as though I lost something, but I also gained something. And I realized why Krishna gave her to me as a sister in the family. Um, and I say it with love. 
She drove me crazy, but I loved her. And I thought, my gosh, if I had not had the challenges that she gave me when I was younger, because, boy, did we have some times when we were younger. We were like two strangers on a, a, a battlefield constantly in our teens. If I hadn't had all of that to help me grow and to handle situations that I didn't exactly ask for, I probably would be a little wimp. So that was one way of Krishna keeping me from being a wimp. She helped me out a lot. <laughs> and as she grew older, she gravitated more toward Krishna, and we had a very healthy relationship. So everything that happens in the life happens for a purpose. It, it does. It, there's a purpose behind it. And it's up to you as to how you respond. But getting back to the, to the uh, section here. However, we can honor them in the best way by transcending the grief because it allows the love connected with the other person to live through us by constantly feeling gratitude for whatever good knowledge, good association, and good feelings they gave us. However, if we kill ourselves emotionally through repression or denial, we will minimize their gifts and we will overlook the value and worth that their existence should continually have in our lives. If we get stuck in any of the stages of grief, we will not honor our beloved sufficiently due to anger, guilt, shock, or denial. And because there's so much nectar behind that, I'm going to stop. But some of us do know people that have lost someone, and they it may have been years, decades ago, and they're still grieving. They're stuck in a position. And everything that's in our scriptures, in the Vedic scripture, is there to help us move along the path of devotional service to the point where we've been blessed with gurus that have written script that have written books to help us better understand what's in the uh, the scriptures and there's so many that can be read but the point is today whatever it is whatever relationship it is whatever it is that we're grieving there is a proper way to handle it. And I would definitely refer uh, most of you to uh, get a better understanding of this. Uh, in addition to Bhakti Tirta Swami's writing about um, death, um, His Holiness, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank? That must be a sign of age. But Giriraj Maharaj has written a book on Death, And it's not gory. It's not something that's depressing. It's something that helps us move along the path of life because it's all a part of it. And it's not necessarily the death of a person. It could be the death of a relationship, of a truth, of some reality. And we have to get on with our lives. So I'm reading this in honor of His Holiness Bhakti Tirta Swami's Appearance Day. And I appreciate 
the uh, listening process and everyone being here either on the uh, internet or listening to it later to share a little bit from the scriptures of Spiritual Warrior 4. So I'm going to end at this point and give honor to all of the gurus, to all of them, because without them, our lives will be extremely limited, and had they not taken to the scriptures properly, we would be totally lost. So all glories to Gurudev, all glories to Srila Prabhupada, all glories to our Guru Parampara. Jai Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai, Jai Shri Shri Radha Kalachanji Dam Ki Jai. Ki Jai, Jai.